Welcome to the SBS Tour de France podcast sponsored by Zwift, the at-home training game that lets you ride or race with friends around the world. It was famously used by Matt Heyman to train for victory at Paris-Roubaix and has since been used by thousands of cyclists of all levels to reach their goals. Visit Zwift.com for a free seven-day trial. Bonjour, 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 and uh, welcome to the Zwift Cycling Central podcast for another look at what's been happening on the roads of France for the Tour de France. Uh, before we start, let me remind you that uh, you can download, stream, or subscribe to our podcast from our website, sbs.com.au slash tdf. I'm Christophe Mallet, I'm your host, and joining me is none other than Dave McKenzie. Hey, Dave. Hey, how are you going? I'm, I'm going great. It's, I tell you what, there is a storm brewing here, though. We've been uh, waiting for a bit of water, a bit of rain for quite a while because it's been so hot. But today it was actually disgustingly hot. This is why we want the, the, the sky to open up. And I mean the sky, not the sky team. You know what? You've just actually reminded me of something. So before we launch into it or you launch into talking tactics and race and all this sort of stuff, you said disgustingly hot. Now, you know, you, you may be French. You may, uh, you've traveled the world. You live in Australia. You tell us all the good places to go to in France, the good cities, and even some, you know, even some historical parts. How, how, how you know me? You, how you follow me on Instagram? Yeah, oh, come on. All right. You, you, you're trying to make a joke of it. But, however, you are still a tour novice, and it's not your first tour. Now, I'll let you tell the story, to be fair. I'll let you tell the story, but just let me launch into it, lead into it at least. Each day, lunch is provided by... The, the local community from the town for all of the press and generally we get a really fantastic lunch don't we i can't believe you're bringing this up yes we do uh and then i guess you're referring to the uh the gift bag we are getting as a, as a present yeah that's right and on, on some lunches some days some towns we go into they're very generous and they're, they're so nice and actually a lot of retired people who are serving us the food and everything and they have that little gift pack sometimes it's wines from the region or even a, uh, a micro beer um you know there's and there's lots of little nibbles and anyway, t- tell, I us can't believe, tell us I can, what you did. I cannot believe you bring this up. Uh, yes, I have to come clean. And I promise I won't cut this on the edit. Uh, but we were giving a bag uh, a couple of days ago when the finish was at La Rosière. And I didn't even look in the bag because I just took the bag and walked away. I was busy. Chuffed the bag in the back of my car. And then yesterday we went to Alpe d'Huez. We parked my car at the bottom, if you follow the, the, uh, the podcast. And then it was stinking hot. It was about 30 degrees at 9 a.m., wasn't it? Yeah, I must have reached 50 in my car because it was just incredible. But when I came back, that you didn't see this because you dropped me off and then I came back, it was stinking. The smell was awful in my car and I had to dig around to think what the hell is going on in my car. Well, first you thought it was your, your like socks or something, didn't you? Yeah, absolutely, because I wore my washing on the back. But And then I found out in one of the bags we were given in La Rosière, there was a cheese, a full cheese that's been nicely marinating at 50 degrees in my car. (laughs) I mean, I guess the next question I've got, when you opened the door, was there any noises coming from the bag? Did the cheese speak? I, he was not far. I'm wondering it didn't speak up and say, Jupiter, have you got something for me to drink? Or even can you cork that bottle of red that's next to me? And that's why you saw me driving with the windows open and the air conditioning full blast to get rid of it. And then this morning, the smell, were, the stench was still a bit there. So before before you wrench uh, people, <laughs> you can just imagine the smell. So uh, yeah. So the moral of the story is, from from me as an experienced tour worker, 12, oh, this is my 12th tour, to a tour novice, 
always check inside the gift bags. Always. I'm, I'm learning step by step, baby, <laughs> baby steps, you know, I'm doing on this tour. It's my third tour. I'm still learning stuff. Uh, absolutely. Well, I think, I think okay, I'll, I'll, I think I've, I've grilled you enough, you know, I've, I've done it for a few days now. So, well, let's move on. But any more slip ups, I'll tell you what, I'm going all out. I'm not telling you anything else. Anyway, uh, let's talk cycling. Uh, we had a stage up to Valence uh, that just happened, just finished. We always thought it was going to be a quick stage because the finish was relatively flat. We, you call it a, a transitional stage uh, yesterday. Um, in the end, Peter Sagan was too strong on the sprint in front of guys like Demar. He, he's incredible. I mean, let, let's just go back a second when uh, there was a few that were not, uh, sorry, they weren't criticising, they were being critical of Peter Sagan's form after the team's time trial. If we cast our minds back, he got dropped from his team. And there was a few so-called experts saying, oh, gee, you know, Sagan's, he's not the same as what he has been in previous years. And I laughed at it because short memory, some of the press here, I've got to say, and I'm being serious for a moment because he'd already been on the podium in the first couple of stages. He was like second or third to Gavidia. He's not a pure sprinter. And that's when all of the pure sprinters was there. So to me, I said, well, he's got great form. He's in actually some of the best form of his career. And now he's proving it. This is his third stage win. Uh, he's got the green. He's going to run away with that. It, I mean, it needs to be a disaster. He needs to crash out or get sick or something for him to lose it, doesn't he? Yeah, this year there's no Michael Matthews to, uh, to grab him, even though uh, Sagan wasn't here. But there's no one even close to, uh, to Sagan on this green jersey. No, no. I mean... Gavidia was, you know, maybe looming as a threat, but even he has uh, succumbed to the mountains. And we didn't think Gavidia would, so Sagan is a superstar. He is an absolute superstar. He came from, what, 20th wheel with two kilometres to go. Just shifted his way up when he pleased. And I think his recovery is just so much better in some cases than some other riders. So you get to day 12, day 13... He's just, he's, he's going as quick as what he was, you know, eight days ago. Uh, it's a very good point you're making about the recovery, because let me remind you that yesterday we were on top of Alpe d'Huez, which is not his forte, and today he's able to deliver a sprint, beating some of the best at their own game. And, I mean, he had one or two guys help him at the end. Uh, that was it. Um, I think Daniel Oss pulled a big turn really on his own so he had no teammates helping him he just he just does a free play you know that's that's the way that's the way he is in life and that's the way he's on the bike and no he's so dominant he's he's incredible isn't he absolutely uh, so yellow is still uh, Garen Thomas uh, before we start debating this let's have a listen to Garen Thomas yeah it was uh, a welcome easier day I think for the whole peloton um, and it was nice and fast as well fast roads and the wind was kind to us so it was good to to get the K's ticked off and um, yeah, get that day under the bag, under the belt. I'm just thinking day by day, so tomorrow's a tough finish. Um, I'm sure we're going to race it behind, even if there's a breakaway. Um, you know, I think we'll still race full gas behind, so be uh, be ready for that. You speak about uh, the whistles of yesterday in the peloton or with your team today. It's uh, forget it. You forget it. Yeah, no. To be honest, uh, I wouldn't say it's normal, but uh, you know, we had a few boos you know from the start and whatever so yeah we it, it's just uh just ignore it you know i think uh like i said before if it's verbal and things it's fine you know as long as they don't affect the race and uh you know touch the riders or you know inhibit guys so that's the main thing what's the atmosphere in the team really good really good um you know obviously two wins and uh yeah with me and Froome, you know we're open and honest with each other and we know uh communicating well the guys are riding really strongly and uh yeah it's just a nice positive 
atmosphere. So that was uh, Garen Thomas. Um, as I just said, I don't think uh, there was any hope of Yellow changing shoulders on a, on a stage like this today, unless there was going to be a, a crash or, or anything nasty that would happen. It's quite logical to have Geraint Thomas still in yellow. But the atmosphere in that team, even though Geraint Thomas just said, yeah, we are good friends, it's all fun. I bet you it's not all fun at the breakfast table in the Sky in the morning. Oh, the, the, closer we go to, the closer we go to Paris, there'll be more tension. Absolutely. And I'm not saying there's going to be... You know, suddenly there's going to be all out war between uh, Froome and Thomas. But, you know, absolutely. If, if Garen Thomas is in a winning position uh, come, come three, four days' time, you know, if he gets to the last day of the Pyrenees and he's still got that 1 minute 39 seconds over Chris Froome, you think he's not going to want to hold on to it? This is, this is you know, it might be the only chance he gets. I think I said it in yesterday's pod. It's the only, it could be the one time that he gets to win the Tour de France. You're not going to let it go, are you? There is some excitement coming, though. We thought this Tour de France uh, could be dull in the end. But uh, having something like this coming from their own team, from within Sky, I don't know, if it's not orchestrated, this is just fantastic for the, for the rest of the week, the, 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 the few days that we, we have left for the Tour de France. And, yes, and I'll remind you, and I'll let you say this, uh, I'll give you, 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 you can take the credit because it's your friend, your Dutch friend. What's the saying that he told you, I think, yesterday you were chatting to him when we were on Dutch Corner? Yeah, my best mate, one of my best mates, not my best mate. How gonna... many best mates you got? Come, yeah. hang on a minute. He's you... my best mate, he's listening, so he's, he's one of my best mates. <laughs> oh, okay. G'day, buddy. What's his name? Johan van Antwerpen. Hey, Johan van Antwerpen. So Dutch, my goodness. Uh... Well, he mentioned yesterday there is a Dutch saying that says, when two dogs fight for the bone, it's usually the third one that gets it. The third one might actually be Tom Dumoulin, and he's Dutch. Yes, that's that's right. Oh, now I, no, sorry, hang on a minute. A Dutchman's told you this old wives' tale because there's a Dutchman in third place. He's just he's he has got the fishing rod out. He's thrown it in the uh, sea of French, and there Christophe Mallet has just grabbed hold of it. You've no, yeah. Anyway, no, actually, I do like it because Tom Dumoulin is a man that could take it. No, he, I think he, I think he possibly can do it. Um, he's one minute thirty-nine down, but he's only eleven seconds behind Chris Froome. They need to drop him. So, what will it take for uh, for Froome and uh, and Gerrans to do to to shake Dumoulin off? Because we got the Pyrenees looming. They haven't got that many chances to do it. Chris Froome is going to keep on attacking. We saw that on Alpe d'Huez. So he's going to keep on attacking. But if Tom Dumoulin can follow Chris Froome, he cannot ride away if, if Geraint Thomas is getting dropped. So if Geraint Thomas cracks and Chris Froome attacks with Dumoulin on the wheel and Dumoulin can follow Chris Froome, that is more dangerous. That is more dangerous. Chris Froome will have to sit up. He can't ride away from his own teammate in the yellow jersey because suddenly Tom Dumoulin will only be 11 seconds off yellow if Chris Froome was to take it, you know, if that scenario played out. So they've it's uh, they're going to have to be very strategic with what they do but Dumoulin's not stupid he's not stupid he's won the Giro d'Italia he is a he's a superstar in his own right so he knows what he needs to do and that is follow Chris Froome and then one last question to to finish this uh, this discussion on it give us an Aussie update because I know you, you spoke to Luke Durbridge uh, where are the Aussies in this because uh, you know we've lost uh, Fort we lost the main contenders the where, where are the Aussies so far you're right. So, uh, Port's out. That opens the door now for Simon Gerrans. 
he's an opportunist sort of rider, Simon. So that, that opens, opens the door for him. Mitchelton Scott, they've got a complete reboot and go for stage wins. So guys like Luke Derbidge, as you mentioned, we chatted to him. He'll come good in terms of he, his recovery, I think, in the next day or two. So expect to see him on the attack. Uh, then you've got Simon Clark, lost Rigoberto Uran, Heinrich Hausler, lost Vincenzo Nibley. All these guys now have a free card to go in the breaks of the day and really the opportunist breaks to try and, to try and go for a stage win. And I, I think we can. I'm confident one of these Aussies uh, can, can get us a stage win. Okay, Micah, thank you uh, for your time. And uh, going for a break, straight after this, we speak to someone you know, Jean-Francois. Oh, legend. Don't go anywhere. If you're like most cycling fans, you're watching the tour action at home. Here's another way to get your cycling fix. Ride on Zwift. Used by cyclists at all levels, from newcomers to the pro peloton, Zwift goes beyond indoor training. It's a beautiful virtual world of jungles, countryside and Alpe de Zwift, inspired by the Stage 12 Alpe d'Huez. You'll also find loads of group rides and group workouts to join every day. The one you don't want to miss is the SBS podcast ride, where you can listen while you pedal. Learn more at Zwift.com or find the SBS podcast ride on the Zwift event schedule. During the tour, we'll be hosting rides every day. See you on Zwift. So we are here uh, in the Cycling Central podcast with uh, Jean-François Kenney from ASO. Uh, Jean-François, uh, bonjour, hello. Bonjour, hello. <laughs> Everyone is busy at ASO, but you are very busy because you are providing a lot of the comments you, uh, and uh, the, the running commentary online. Yes, I type uh, the live ticker from uh, two hours before the start until uh, two hours after the finish. Uh, a maximum of informations and especially uh, some uh, statistics or interesting stories, funny stories sometimes, to uh, make the race, the race uh, alive. <laughs> so that's what we see on uh, the, the website, all the, all the live commentary. And it starts two hours before. Why two hours before the race? Uh, because we prepare a little bit for uh, what we will uh, post uh, later on during the race because it wouldn't be uh, possible to uh, watch the race, uh, comment the race live and uh, make some research in terms of uh, history or anecdotes. So we, we have to start uh, working before. You mentioned the stats. We know uh, over the last five years, maybe, uh, this has taken an increase, uh, a huge increase, because people are now willing to get a lot more inside story, but also stats and mathematics, uh, simple statistics around the race. Have you seen this as well? Yes, uh, we are now in the area of the data. And uh, cycling was always more um, a sport of uh, letters than numbers. But uh, nowadays, uh, the importance of numbers uh, is increasing and statistics are taking their part in uh, the analysis of the bike races. But we have to be careful about that because uh, uh, this is not a mathematic sport. It's uh, on the road uh, with different uh, weather conditions and uh, uh, the history of the bike races is uh, very complex. Uh, the the eighth of the climbs is not always the same. If you uh, take statistics of the Galibier um, throughout the history, sometimes the Galibier was uh, used uh, through the tunnel, but the tunnel has been closed and a new road has been built. So you don't have the same uh, altitude for the Galibier. That's just an example. 
but uh, also uh, when you uh, talk about the climbs, uh, sometimes they are used on one side and sometimes on the other side. So there are statistics, but some of them <coughs> don't help to uh, compare. So it's not like Formula One, where the Monaco Grand Prix is the Monaco Grand Prix, and it's been the same circuit for almost the same circuit for 50 years. It's not Formula One, and it's not indoor athletics. <laughs> um, a lot of people actually, when when I meet people, they come and say, "Can we get more data? Can we get heart rate from the from the racers? Can we get speed? Can we get?" Do you get this as well in the comments? People actually craving for even more, even though you just explained it's might be complex. Yeah, it's it's good to add something if it is useful to understand the race. But there's also a danger of uh, getting confused with uh, more and more uh, data about speed, about power. And <coughs> you can't compare the speed of uh, a breakaway uh, riding uphill and uh, a peloton chasing in the downhill before the uphill. So to compare speed when the terrain is uh, completely different makes no sense. And a little uh, bird called uh, Dave McKenzie told me that you had a special relationship with Australian cycling. Uh, you've been helping a lot of the uh, Aussie guys way back to, to make that step in Europe. So you've got that special relation with Australia. Yes. Uh, in the 90s, um, there were a lot of uh, talented Australian cyclists who uh, didn't have the connections at all to come to Europe. And uh, I've helped uh, a few of them to uh, get into it, to get into a, into a club team before turning pro or into a pro team because they had some uh, pedigree, like uh, if you want to name a few, uh, Brad McGee, Ben Cook, uh, Simon Gerrans. Uh, yes, I've helped some of them. <laughs> so a life around cycling since forever? Yes, and uh, I paid my first visit to Australia in uh, 1994 when uh, road cycling was almost uh, non-existing and when I looked at the Australian society with uh, people uh, being very sporty and courageous uh, I thought the, the braveness of the cycling would, uh, would please the Australian people and at the time they, they were still uh, very British in their way of following sport and I thought how come uh, these people are so sporty and they like uh, cricket and golf which looked to me like something very boring and uh, thanks to um, the Tour de France on television and uh, the performances of uh, The Australian cyclists, they, they got into the Tour de France and uh, they have found uh, a sport that really suits the uh, Australian mentality. There you go. That was uh, the man behind the words that you can uh, uh, read and follow on the uh, Tour de France website. Thank you. You're welcome. Maka, you know Jean-François quite well. I do. I know. I've known him for many years. He helped me out a bit as an amateur. Um, Not not individually, but directly with national teams and stuff. He's a legend. Yeah, he's been uh, like he just said. He's been helping a lot of uh, Australians around in back uh, back in the days. Okay, let's look at the uh, the stage that is coming up uh, tonight. It's not such an easy stage actually. Uh, we're going from uh, Saint Paul Trois Châteaux to Mende. It's 188 kilometers. Not easy because he starts relatively flat, but then he really kicks out. It kicks up. Gee, this is a bit of a surprise, actually, because there's a Cat 4, there's a Cat 2, there's a Cat 3, there's a Cat 2 at the end. But the Category 2 at the end, 3 kilometres, averaging 10%, and then it's a slight downhill run to the line. So it's a breakaway. It's a day for a breakaway. I can't imagine uh, the GC guys keeping it together, but there's two things that will happen. A breakaway will win the day, 
and the GC guys will have a big battle on their hands as well. Where do you see the breakaway leave? Surely not from the, the first kilometers, or really? Yes, the first kilometers. <laughs> no, I do because look, it might take a while. It might take a, it could take an hour for the breakaway to establish because there'll be hungry, there'll be riders that are really hungry because they'll know it's a, it's a day for the break. Um, and, and, you know, there'll be, there'll be riders that are desperate, teams that haven't won a stage yet. We've got to remember there's been a lot of multiple stage winners in this race. So there's only been six or seven stage winners. You know, you've got Gavidi has won, won a hand, won a couple. Peter Sagan, Garen Thomas has won too. So, you know, there's, uh, it eliminates the amount of stage winners. You know, there haven't been 12 stage winners. So there's teams that are desperate to win. The succession of climbs towards the halfway of the, of the stage is quite interesting. Got, like you said, category two, category three, category two. Um, that, that's an interesting shape of a, for a stage. It is. And, and look, that the category two that comes after 129 kilometers, the stage is 186. It climbs for almost 20 kilometers before the climb. Very gradual, but it's going to be, it's going to be a false flat road, I imagine. One or two percent. You won't even notice it. Probably one percent. And then it goes up to a thousand meters. So in the nine kilometers that it's categorized as, it goes up at an average of 5.3, but it climbs for, you know, 200 meters over 20 kilometers, which is nothing, but it's, oh, it'll be really grinding on the body. And, you know, we've got to remember we're 12, 13 days in, almost two weeks done. It's, you know, in the weather, all the elements that come into play, there'll be some real tired bodies. If you had to pick someone for that stage or one kind of, one type of rider for that stage? <sighs> You are sneaky. I'm on to you. For <laughs> you, you. You know why? Because we haven't done our tips yet. And, and we have this very competitive SPS tip, tipping comp. It's only amongst the, the group here. There's seven of us. And uh, you're, you're wanting to get moved back up, aren't you? Um, no, I can't because uh, I'm so way down the line I'm, that for me, I'm, I need a coup. I need a coup d'etat to, uh, <laughs> to, to win this thing. I'm going to rise above it and tell you anyway. Um, okay, I'm going to... I, I am going with my heart a little bit, but I, but if he if he comes out as it, at his best, it's a day for him. Simon Gerrans. He won a stage in the Giro d'Italia, similar in the sense that there was a steep climb at the very end of the stage. It's probably the only thing that was similar, but it was a, it was an opportunist day, and he was with a bunch of riders, and then he rode away. It was back in his days with the Savello Test Team. So I'm going to go with Simon Gerrans because he's got carte blanche, and I, you know, I do believe in uh, fairy tales, and we, you know, we really are talking about the fact that he hasn't announced it officially, but we think he's going to retire at the end of the year. So, wouldn't it be great? He made a name for himself at the Tour de France to end his career with a stage win at the Tour. Shall we say, just to be clear, that I am not allowed to pick Simon Gerrans from the uh, unofficial SBS tipping. Now you're saying you don't want a tipping. Yeah, no worries, pal. No worries. You don't, 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 don't take the experts' comments. That's fine. Exactly. Thanks, Maka. That was uh, some good insight. Uh, and I think that's a, a stage worth uh, watching for for SBS. The weekend is coming up as well, so you can stay up a, li a little bit later. Oh, it's fantastic. And watch these stages because they are transitional days, but they're full of attacks. They're, they're actually, it's quite aggressive racing. They're not nothing stages. Absolutely. So fuel early and then uh, stay late to, uh, to watch the, the stage on SBS. This was the uh, Zwift Cycling Central podcast for today. Uh, before we go, let me remind you that you can uh, download, stream or subscribe to this podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash TDF. And then you can also schedule a ride with our friends at Zwift. And if you want to relieve uh, the Alpe d'Huez, remember, they've got an exact copy of the Alpe d'Huez on their platform. Uh, more information on their website. Until uh, the next podcast, which is tomorrow, it's bye for now.
If you're like most cycling fans, you're watching the tour action at home. Here's another way to get your cycling fix. Ride on Zwift. Used by cyclists at all levels, from newcomers to the pro peloton, Zwift goes beyond indoor training. It's a beautiful virtual world of jungles, countryside, and Alpe de Zwift, inspired by the Stage 12 Alpe d'Huez. You'll also find loads of group rides and group workouts to join every day. The one you don't want to miss is the SBS podcast ride, where you can listen while you pedal. Learn more at Zwift.com or find the SBS podcast ride on the Zwift event schedule. During the tour, we'll be hosting rides every day. See you on Zwift.